Welcome to Sam's on Fire, a podcast for everyday entrepreneurs navigating business decisions, growth, and structure. Now, here's your host, Sam Livingston. Everyone, it's Sam with Sam's on Fire, and I'm here today with Hank Avink. I really appreciate you coming on here. I'm going to throw a little bit of uh, a little bit of everything at you. So, you have probably one of the more interesting journeys I have uh, I have witnessed. Uh, met you about eight years ago. And in that process, you've become a pretty well-known, nationally recognized coach. Uh, you've done a lot of things, but uh, give me, yeah, I, that's you. So, um, and we've been able to establish a personal relationship, which which is really important because a lot of times we have people on here and we see one side of them. We see the business side of them, or you see the, pu- the public side of them. And we don't get to pull the curtain back and look at what else is going on, or are they, they, are they living and breathing what they're preaching. And, and I could say you're probably the most transparent person I've ever met. Good, bad, or indifferent, right? <laughs> Good, bad, or indifferent. And that taught me quite a bit about myself and about letting people choose to be attracted or repelled, and it's okay. Just don't um, be neutral. Yeah, don't be neutral. That, that was one of the first things you ever told me, and I thought that was kind of funny because I came from a mindset of win everybody's heart, and, and it's impossible. Yep. So do me a favor, for people who are listening right now they, and have not heard of Hank, give me your, and it doesn't, let's not call it a 30-second elevator speak, because, speech because I've never heard a 30-second elevator speech within 30 seconds, but give me your quick down and dirty, who is Hank? Yep, uh, I've been a millionaire and I've been bankrupt. Had a son have open heart surgery at six days old, which gave me perspective like you wouldn't believe, so between going bankrupt and almost losing a son on the operating table, like, what are you going to do to me? So I'm someone that truly don't, I don't do anything for money. Um, I'm not stupid. So there is a math equation around my yeses to make sure that's sustainable. Yet I'm someone that has a track record where my track record speaks louder than any resume I could type up. Barely graduated high school, um, told my professor to fuck off and left college. And uh, I was a captain of the national championship hockey team. And I love my family. Being a dad is the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, same with being a husband. So I have to put in my schedule and follow it because I'd rather work 24-7 if I'm being honest. Well, so I love that because that gives us a lot of the personal, like the, the Hank on the personal level. And I, there are certain things that we, we sometimes are afraid to say. And the one thing that you, you've said to me many times was, being a dad is the hardest thing I ever did. And I can relate to that so well. And I, I always laugh when, listen, I, I will say it's also the greatest thing I've ever done. Oh, hands down. Right, right. But th- there's some of these guys that come out and they're like, oh, yeah, I win at this and I'm the greatest. I'm like, dad, I don't believe you. Um, and I love the fact that you're really transparent and go, hey, I struggle. Sometimes things don't go the way I plan. And sometimes it gets me in a different mindset. Well, and so knowing that once I, I – um... John Chaplack, one of the coaches that I've hired over the years, gave me the book, The Shadow Effect. And once, once I became real honest with myself and I could admit to myself, hey, you know what? It's much easier for me to work than it is to be a parent. I put hurdles in place where I show up. So at five o'clock, I'm working. So I tell all my clients like you, don't fucking reach out to me after five o'clock. It's like giving an alcoholic a beer. Like, unless you really need me, leave me the fuck alone after five o'clock and on the weekends because... Otherwise, you're distracting me from something that is important to me, and I'll take that drug all day long. Right, and I love that you just went right there because that's where I was going next. A family, 
and a business. And a lot of people can't delineate the two. And especially in the real estate industry, I think what happens to a lot of us is we get sidetracked so easily like, oh, this is so important. This is, we have to do this. I have to do that. I have to. And so putting those standards in place can be extremely difficult. Were you always able to do that? It depends. Once I really started to understand time management in my numbers, I'd say that's where it really happened. I always had my priorities straight and I would justify things because I didn't know my numbers. So I came from a place of lack and fear where, well, I can't say this, or I need to work with this person because I don't know wins enough. And once I started putting standards in place and I started to know my numbers, I stopped having to do anything. I don't have to do anything right now. And that happened when Charlie um, was diagnosed for open heart surgery. What I realized was I had to show up or at some point my family is going to be in trouble. I don't have to show up for work anymore. I have enough recurring income coming in from different revenue sources, EXP, Kajabi, a lot of different things that I have going on where I don't have to work anymore. So it's nice to not have uh, all your eggs in one basket, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, if, and people are, well, what happens if that? Nothing, because I'm so dialed in a micro level, I could take a job and turn that up to, you know, $30,000 a month with a few chest moves in my schedule. Um, or same thing um, with my product. I've, I've got three different products out there waiting for me to do that are well worth, one's worth 200 bucks a day all day long, one's 500 and one's easily two grand. There's another million dollars each of those. It's just a matter of when I choose to do them. And it becomes a math equation in the schedule. Right. And, and that's the other thing is, I think a lot of entrepreneurs or so-called entrepreneurs have put all their eggs in one basket. And then that panic button becomes bigger and bigger. And that the one thing that I see in, in the circle that you've created is people understand that they don't have to have that panic button. They just need to have multiple resources. And they need to be willing to be patient. Patience with a sense of urgency. I got a tattooed. And, and if they're willing to be patient and consistent, and, and look at the math behind things, we're much better off taking this as a consistency approach versus urgency. Chances are most people watching this are okay with the urgency. They suck with the consistency. Right. And, and a lot of times what we have is we see one or the other. And yep. uh, when you're able to put those together, things change drastically. Exactly. And, and let's talk about subtraction leads to multiplication. I got a tattoo here is because I believe that less is more. Meaning if you, if you have uh, more supply than demand, you're in trouble. That's basic economics, right? So the more you can subtract and the more um, you can subtract out, the more demand you're going to have, which is a higher premium or a higher retention. And, and this is where um, there's a great book by Paul Jarvis, Company of One. Do me a favor, read that book. If you haven't read that book, go look at it. And it will basically give you what we're doing with our businesses. Somebody just happened to write the book before me, so I don't have to now. And I always like it when someone puts our thoughts somehow, um, you're like, yeah, that's wow. Like that's profit first, right? Yeah. Like profit first, you read it and you go, you know what, this has got to be like, why didn't I think of this sooner? Or I was thinking something, but I couldn't put the pieces together. Yeah. So, well, because of the things that you're doing now and that you're able to do now with national coaching league, and, and you've got these products that, that you talk about, let's talk about that journey because you didn't start where you're at now. You, you weren't a coach. Nope. So let's go back to where did you start and where did that entrepreneurial mindset kick into what got you to where you are now? So we, we won't go too far back yet. My dad was an entrepreneur, so I got to witness someone being self-employed. So in my mindset, having a boss was something that I knew that I didn't want to have. 
forever. Now, the other unique thing that I look back and I, I didn't necessarily realize that I had it. I've always been one who could make decisions before most other people could. For example, my senior year of high school, I wouldn't play travel hockey, which made it so I couldn't play for the football team, which we went to the state championship in a small football town. I've always been willing to make tough decisions where nine out of 10 people wouldn't do it. So where this all started was when Charlie got um, diagnosed, I realized that real estate was a job. And I looked around at Remax, great company, great company to start at. And I was lucky to have the broker that I had. Yet there wasn't anybody that I would have tried to choose with, not the owner, not any of the agents and no judgment against them. I was like, I don't want this. So then I went to KW, great company. They had this book, the red book that I thought was brilliant, yet it wasn't executable from my seats in the stands in the thousands of agents that I saw. So from there, I decided I wanted to have a business and um, I jumped to be a coach on the road. So I did 600 flights in three years coaching real estate agents all over the country. Do the math on that, 600 yeah. flights. So I got my 10,000 seat hours um, in a short amount of time. And what I realized was I can have people give me what they're thinking or what they're doing and predict outcomes. And I've gotten very good at what people are saying or not saying and, and figuring out what's, what the result's going to be. I've only been wrong two times. One time the person was mentally ill and I said, you should get out of real estate. You're not going to make it. They made it. And there was another time that it was minor and I can't think of it right now. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Because I know that you've transitioned from being immersed in, in real estate as we know the industry to be driving around with a, a Prius, right? With, with your face on it, right? Yeah. To, uh, you know, a whole podcast. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, driving around, um, trying to market. And I know how tough the industry is. You're trying to set yourself apart any way you can. I started in 08 in Michigan. Right. 2008 in Michigan selling houses. So a little bit of a tough market, a little bit kind of uh, upside down and crazy. And now you've, you've realized that that's not, that's not what's going to put your family where it needed to be for you. Right. Um, and so you've now transitioned to not just coaching. Um, you're doing a lot of different things. You have the Arenda. You do um, some great retreats. And tell me about the mindset shift with that. And obviously being married, how important it is to have your spouse on board with what changes you're going to do. Because you didn't make small changes. You didn't say, hey, I'm at Remax. I'm going to Keller Williams which is a big change for some people, but in the big scheme of things, that's a really minor change compared to, hey, I'm going to completely go in a different direction here with careers. Well, the jumps that I made, you know, I always hear things like, well, I'm a single mom or I'm this or that. No, fuck you. So I had a wife that I was feeding, three kids, a brand new home, and I left a job making over half a million dollars a year to start up my own business with one year non-compete. So if you come at me with, well, this is my excuses versus, hey, you did it. How can I do it? Now, all that said, marriage therapy. If you're married and you're not in therapy, you're a moron. and You're going to pay a lot of stupid tax. So through marriage therapy and communication, that's how we were able to make these transitions because through the communication process, we built trust. Uh, my wife, for example, always thought once I brought her an idea, I was just going to railroad her and do whatever um, whatever I wanted. So in her mind, she would just concede to everything. And the reality is when we look back, I didn't do that on anything. So long story short, if you have a spouse, if, 
if you aren't communicating at a high level, it's going to hold you back. And I don't care what it costs you to invest in that. It'll be the best investment you can make because when you have the right person on the other side of the coin, it makes all the difference in the world. I, I love that. And I love the those of us who know you, we, we call them Hankisms. And you have some great ones. I, I almost feel bad when I take one. I'm like, but you said stupid tax. Right. And that might be my favorite one because, you know, we always want to talk about the positive and the wins. But when I read a story, I want to hear someone's rock bottom. You know, I think that's what's so intriguing when you listen to like David Goggins or or one of those guys that have a phenomenal story. I don't I, I care about the success, but I almost care more about the stupid tax, the I messed up and now I have to fix it. And is there is there a better way to learn than than paying your own stupid tax? I think so. And I don't know the exact number. I've listened to over 150 books over the last 10 years, most of them multiple times, because I listen at one and a half times the speed. And, and, and I oftentimes have to hear it multiple times or deal with it myself. So when you can get someone's decade in a half, three or four hours, why wouldn't you learn from somebody else? Somebody else's stupid mistakes. Yeah. And I agree. And, and, and that's why I kind of wanted to bring it up. These, these Hankisms, as, as we call them, um, paying the stupid tax. We, I think everyone that's listening or watching this can talk to their, whether they want to be that transparent or not. But when we talk about the things that we've done to put ourselves in bad situations versus being the victim. I know where my numbers weigh more. And that is me paying the stupid tax and making a decision that or not making a decision. And I think that's been as detrimental as anything is not making a decision and allowing something to happen. So, so standards and principles, I think is, is also what we're talking about is anytime I get an outcome that I don't desire, I ask myself, where did I fuck up? Because if, as soon as I can take responsibility for something, it allows me to control it not happening again. And so when, when we look at avoiding stupid tax, I only need to learn a lesson once. And, and I'm not, I don't have so much of an ego where I'm not willing to look at something different and, and I'm willing to make changes. And it was, and I love, there's a book called The Road Less Stupid. And he said in there, it was a good idea until it wasn't. And in the book, Essentialism, it talks about sunk cost bias where, you know, a lot of people will do things just because that's what they've been doing and they're too pot committed. I have no fucking problem, you know, saying, hey, you know what, this was a good idea until it wasn't and changing directions, no matter how much I am, am involved. Because oftentimes it's that pivot that they talk about a lean startup where you start something, it was a good idea until it wasn't, you pivot and go in the new direction because that's what you're really supposed to be doing. Now notice in this conversation, I've quoted six different books and here's why. Every single book has depth on these lessons. And one thing that I do is I'd rather quote a book. So if you want to dig deeper on it, you go and listen to that book. Now, guess who gets equated with that new knowledge and that new success? So I'm purposely not giving prescription. I help diagnose, have somebody go read that book. Now I get equated with them going out and doing it. Well, and that's it's always been the one thing that you've been, one of the things that I've noticed you've been very good about is tying um, wins to positive outcomes to um, to what we're trying to do or what we're trying to achieve. And you do get credit for that. And it's not... You don't have to stand up and jump up and down and raise your hand and said, I did that, I did that. But we know, we talk about working with clients that know, like, and trust us. So yep. when we're able to do those things, when they win, it, 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 they do, they 
tend to credit that that source, right? Well, and a couple of my coaching clients came up with this is we, we talk about the acronym Hank. And so H is being heard. When you do it authentically, sooner or later, you'll start getting noticed more and more and more until you become known. What happens is you become known when Sam goes and reads Profit First, because I introduced it to you. Now Sam's like all about it. So I get just a little ounce of that. And now the way that you speak of me, people show up in my world as if I'm already known. And it's a much greater outcome because a third party endorsement in today's society is much bigger than any stupid website I could put out there. Sam putting someone in a headlock and saying, you're a fucking moron if you don't hire Hank. Like you already have that social credibility. So they're just going to walk in already expecting me to be able to help them get what they want. But you right. can't do that unless you're known. Right. And, and, and that, that begs another discussion there about the, the referral process and how important that is. And you taught me that, you know, like everybody wants to be the guy who knows somebody, right? We, we see on Facebook all the time. I've gotten referrals from people I barely know because they, they just wanted to be first. They wanted to be the one that said, Hey, say I'm Livingston or, or, you know, whatever name popped in their mind. And I like to take a step back from that and say, um, one of the things, one of the other things that's very relevant that we talk about is attraction versus repel. And, or attraction versus selling. Yep. Um, talk to me a little bit about that and what your mindset is and what you want to project on that subject. So back to subtraction, I sell less and less and less and, and I teach people how to send me a referral. And I was talking with a client earlier today and I said, I was given a referral by one of her friends and I told that friend, I said, hey, you had social currency with me and you made a withdrawal when you gave me that referral. And she goes, well, what do you mean by that? I said, they haven't set up a phone call yet. They aren't taking this as a priority. So do me a favor, don't refer me anymore if this referral doesn't come through. And she goes, well, what do you mean by that? I said, if you're not gonna refer me in such a way that this person shows up ready, like it's a freaking gift, stop referring me because it sets me up for a fail right away. So don't set me up with another phone call unless this person shows up at a 10, I'm not interested. And she goes, Wow, I never looked at it that way. So she went into put that that relationship in a referral and said, "Hey, I need you to set up a phone call with Hank because you're putting my relationship in jeopardy because you haven't followed through." Now think about that. Within 30 minutes, that person sent me a five thousand dollar check to help them with the problem that they had, that they believe that I could help them with. How important is it that somebody believes that they can do something? You know. Yeah. You sent me a $5,000 check. <laughs> I did. Um, and it was the best $5,000 I spent. Um, that, that's, a, that's another thing. We talk about standards and we talk about those things. I, it's, it's completely reversing what I think a lot of people think they know about sales. We talk about relational versus um, transactional sales. It's a big topic among our group. And um, I'll, I'll say that I came from a place where everybody was supposed to be my client and we had to win all the clients. And it was that you know, that, that always be closing and coffees for closers. And, and I really had that mentality. Once I had the, the thought process of abundance, I realized that a lot of those clients weren't my clients. And it wasn't just about, I didn't need them. It was more, I didn't want them because I couldn't serve them in the capacity that I felt most comfortable with and deliver what they needed. So now I said, who's attracted to me? What does it look like to have, you know, this is another argument we have with some clients is 
uh, I had someone say, well, as soon as I get abundant, I'll have the abundance mindset. And I said, You're, you, you have the equation all, all flipped upside down. Zig Ziglar, 101, right? Right. So I love that the, the mindset of, hey, I'm going to put this out here and this is very important to me. And if you're going to do this, we have to do it the right way. When now you turn clients away, right? <laughs> yeah, and people get frustrated. They're like, what are you too good for me? No, like right now I'm in a place where unless I'm already in a relationship with you, I'm not really interested in working with you unless it comes as a headlock referral, which means Sam, if you refer someone to me and they're a motherfucker, that's going to be on you. Like you're giving your street cred because now what it does, is I don't have time to get into relationship with people on whether or not we can get them the outcome. So I'm saying, Sam, if you don't refer the right person to me, I can't predict the outcome and then it makes everything less sustainable. And I know that sounds crazy yet. When, when you limit the demand or when you limit the supply, there's going to be a higher demand. And, and so this is where the math equation comes in is as you raise your standards, as you raise your principles, you get better results. Therefore you can bring more value to the market, which means you can charge more. Now there does become a certain point where it doesn't make sense to keep going because some things just don't make sense yet. You know, if I can make 50 grand a month on a consistent basis and not have to sell, like I'm good because Sam, every time I've given you a client, how much money have I taken out of that? Oh, none from me. It's not, but there's, there's, I understand the direct uh, relationship that we get there from that. So the monetary and, and, you know, this is something that, again, that scarcity mindset won't allow you to see, hey, oh, you know what? I could have, I could have taken money from ego mindset. I don't give a fuck how much money you make. I care about how much you keep. And the reality was, was I didn't want the customer service. I didn't want the headache. If you didn't do your job, I didn't want to come back to me. Like, I didn't want any sort of not um, exposure on that money. So it's just easier to refer and let other people win because if you have your hands in less cookie jars, it allows people to win at a higher level. So I don't do partnerships and you and I have talked about that before. Run parallel where you both benefit and if at any point it doesn't work, like we recently just had someone leave our circle, wish them well, wanted the best in the world to happen to them, yet that separation was easy because we're not intertwined. Right. We run parallel. So if it's time to turn off the light in that relationship, doesn't harm them, doesn't harm us. And we move onward. I, I love the uh, I, I love having the the mental capacity to say I, I don't need any I don't need everyone anymore. I just need my people. And, and that's where people need to. There's there's some good books. So, so art of not giving a fuck, unfuck yourself. All kind of the same theme of stop giving so many shits. Meaning there's only only so many shits or fucks to give. And and when when you realize that. You are who you are, and if you sleep well at night, that's all you got to worry about. Because, Sam, you and I, you're like a brother to me. There's a good chance that we'll still be in relationship 20 years from now. I also know there's a good chance so, that we're not. So if something ever happened where all of a sudden we decided to go to a different direction, it's not the end of the world because look at how many relationships you still have today that you had 20 years ago. Like, why do we sit there and just try to gather as many relationships as possible? Why don't we honor those relationships for what they are during that chapter? And then if you do walk out of the room, turn off the light switch. So if you ever want to put energy back to it, there's energy there to do it. So let me just give this formula real quick. Most of you don't have an income problem. You're like me. You've made way too much fucking money to be this broke. So how do you solve your cash flow problem? It's by knowing your numbers and taking something like profit first. 
From there, we go to relationships. If my relationships need something, I'm at a yes. Yet if you steal energy from me, we're going to have a strong conversation. Finances will make sense if I worry about relationships, energy, and finances. You remove finances, you remove energy. That's my equation. Like it's got to have two of the three. So if I have a relationship that's no longer giving me energy and the finances don't make sense, it's got to go. Got to go. Well, and I, I love that you can put it in, you know, it almost seems like it's callous or it's cold, but the reality is uh, we get resentful when, when we are not putting things in that context, right? Yeah, here's the thing is, Sam, all of you, all of you know, if you're an AMI life, you know my standards. Like, for example, if you want to do something that's best for your family and you come to me, Hank, I'm going to go join Tom Ferry, which is a great coach, not my style. I'd be like, all right, man, let's look at why you're looking at doing this. And if I thought it was the right decision, go for it. Even if I didn't, I'd say, hey, you know what, Sam, I wouldn't do this based on all the knowledge that I have. I'm going to wish you well, whatever we can do to see you off well. Yet if you go and do this, I'm going to turn the light switch off. And if you're a motherfucker when you do it, I'll cut the power and you're dead to me. It's your choice. Yet how clear am I on my standards and when we'll be in relationship and won't? So it's no surprise when those relationships change. Well, and, and that goes to one of the things that I, I've always said is the expectation management. Yeah, I would say agreements because we make agreements now. It's not expectations because expectations you'll be let down. We're making an agreement. Sam, you're an A in my life. You list your home with somebody else. I'll break your fucking kneecaps. However, if there's something I need to know right now, like your brother-in-law's an agent, just let me know. It's not contingent on us being in a relationship. However... If you say you're going to list with me and then you don't, you just severed an agreement and fuck yourself. Well, and I think that people are afraid to be that honest. And I think that's why we do go in different directions angrily. We don't turn the light switch off. We, we burn the house down, right? Yeah. And I've been known to burn a few. Uh, well, I can't, I don't want to say it like that, but I, I've been known to um, burn some bridges. And I think sometimes it's about how do we build those relationship where we are parallel as opposed to intertwined. Yep. And, and, you know, there are times where I burn the bridge and it's because I screwed up and I don't want to be reminded of how I screwed up. I would say probably 80% of the time that I burn a bridge, it's because I did something and I can't forgive myself. So I don't need to be reminded every time I see that person, I'll delete them. I'll block them because you know what? I know my mindset well enough. I won't sleep as well at night. I'm a giver. There's a great book called give and take. And when givers give to takers and those takers do that, it makes you question whether or not you're a giver. So if I ever give to someone who ends up being a taker from my seats in the stands, it makes me second guess my giving mentality. Soon as I feel they're a taker, doesn't mean it's real. Yet in my opinion, I'll delete them and block them because it'll make me second guess everything I do if I see them. Well, the mindset around everything that you do, I think is maybe the most important and why you have become the coach you have. And I've been in a lot of different coaching programs and I can say nothing bad about any of them. I'll just say that they're so different because you, your focus is so much more about, you know, one thing I learned is if my home life gets better, then my business obviously gets better, which makes my home life better, which makes my business better. And it's something that I think that some of these coaching programs fail to really project is it's really we can't just focus on the numbers of our business or a relationship or 
you know, it, it's not either or. It's you've got to have all of those things. Dude, I'm a I'm an unlicensed therapist. Yet I'm a coach because I move way faster than therapists move. The, the reality is, is business is just a math equation. And, and I've had this said to me, Hank, all you do is talk about money. How long would you show up without getting paid at your job? Well, I wouldn't. So fuck off. You're more about the money than I am. I don't do anything for money because I understand the math behind what we do. And, and so when you, when you break it down and you understand if then statements, if I do this, then this will happen, it becomes a math equation of how much money you want to make. One question I always ask is, would you rather make 50 grand a month and work three days a week or make, you know, 75 grand a month and work 80 or 90 hours? If somebody said 80 or 90 hours, unless they like have this hole they got to dig out of, not my people. Not my people, because life is going to happen. So if you got to work 70, 80 hours a week to make that money, guess what? When life happens, like Charlie having open heart surgery or some other things we have going on in our life. Um, the other day, and I, I won't share what happened yet. I reached out to some of you and said, Hey, I might need to step out of the business for a while. Do you got my back? It was a family thing. Yep. Do you know how excited that people were that I asked to say, we got you. Let us step in because Sarah and I have led with value. We give more than what's expected. Therefore we surround ourselves with givers and people know that we've led with value on things we didn't have to do that builds loyalty but I'm not talking about loyalty like the cliche, you either do as I say or you're dead to me. No, it's like power versus force, another great book. We lead by power. So people are here because they choose to be, not because they're thumbed to be. Right. And it, it, there is a huge difference. One thing I'll say is it, it's funny. Contracts are a funny thing to me when I look at the big picture and, and me coaching some real estate agents and then telling them I don't have a buyer's agency agreement and I have a 30 day out on my listings. And and I'm not here to argue either point. I'm just saying when I when I talk to other agents, they look at me like I'm I'm an alien. And, and one of the things that that I think is most important about the way you run your business is we're going to get into this relationship, and if it doesn't work, I might want out as bad as you do. So I'm going to let you go. And I remember that you said the only you were booked. You had no room, and you said, and I said, but Hank, I don't care that you don't have any room. How do I get in? And you said, send me a check for five thousand dollars in the next three days. <laughs> and I didn't even ask what I was going to get out of that. And if you would have, I, I've had assholes where they keep asking questions. I'm like, you're not my people. So if I send you five grand, you won't do it? No, fuck off. So I said, I sent the five grand and, uh, and I haven't looked back. It's the best five grand I ever sent, uh, spent. Although explaining to my wife why I had to pay $5,000 for something, I wasn't sure what I was getting out of it. Like what tangible object was a little bit of a funny conversation. But, but you, you did tell me, if you get here and you realize that you made a big mistake and it's not for you, 100% refund and we'll cut ties and go our separate ways. Yep. Turn off the light switch and we're out. And I think that that's really important because it lends so much credibility. Like there's so many things out there right now that we can invest in. And so many times we, we, we see these websites or these funnels draws us in and then you can't get out of it. You, it's impossible. And the, the one thing, that, I beg people to ask for a refund and I let them know if you come into me like a victim, like you didn't do this or you didn't do that. Fuck you. Here's your money back. I delete and block them. Now, if you come to me and say, Hank, I thought I was getting this nine times out of 10. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. And I can fix it. Yet don't take someone's money if they're not completely happy again, getting the results. You do that enough times, you'll have way more business coming in than what you can handle because it's the law of reciprocity. 
when you give someone more than what they were anticipating, they ask themselves, how can I help you? Absolutely. That people, one thing I've noticed is, is when you give and you give with a genuine act, I want to help someone, it always comes back. And I know that also seems cliche, but it's really not. I've never helped someone where it didn't come back to me tenfold. Now, here's what you need to do. In the book, Give and Take, we all have blind spots. Figure out where your blind spots are, where you'll, one of my blind spots is I overappraise people. For example, I think if somebody puts something in their schedule, they're willing to follow up because that's what I do. Or if a job needs to get done, they're not going to say, well, Hank, it started raining, so I didn't do the work. No, I don't care if it's raining cats and dogs. If you've got to get those things planted, you get it done. And, and so I know those blind spots. So I put hurdles in place to make sure that I'm not over appraising people. And so what I'm going to ask everybody to do is write down where are your triggers to know that you're setting yourself up for failure? Sam, yours is drinking too much, just like mine. We get wasted. We do not like that version of ourselves. <laughs> right. And that, and that came to a self-realization where it wasn't when I stopped drinking, everybody was like, Oh, what happened? Like nothing. I, I just didn't like me when I was drinking. That was, that was the bottom line. That was, you know, there was. In your 20s, it was all right. Yeah. When you're 40, like at some point you got to be like, when are you going to stop being that guy? So I have standards. I, I know that I could be an alcoholic in about this long. So I have standards on it. And, and anytime I don't meet those standards, like we went to the Pearl Jam concert. I got hammered. Yet I was on vacation. I was with my little brother. I was at Pearl Jam, which I got a freaking tattoo of. And my wife thought it was funny because I wasn't a complete asshole. Broke my standards. However, it wasn't like I was completely breaking them. Now, if I did it again, then we might have an issue. Sure. That makes sense? Yep. <sighs> now, I want to drive a little bit more to the future. What are you building? What does it look like? If you can give us a vision of what do you envision for Hank and Sarah and the kids and National Coaching League? in a decade or leading up to that. Yeah. And, and so I believe that the biggest, the thing that we're going to do at a big level isn't there yet. What we're doing is we're making a lot of relationships. So here's, here's my bigger picture. I'm helping people have better relationships. So if you're close to me, you got to be working on your relationship or getting the hell out. Like don't be neutral because my, my marriage is very important to me and having gone through the bankruptcy, having gone through the child that was sick, like I need people that are helping build that. Second thing is financial responsibility. So if you're running with me, you're going to have a PL. You're going to be, you know, having a net worth that's moving forward. It doesn't mean that you won't have to clean things up. And then you're also going to be a leader and a steward and come from abundance. So here's my bigger picture is right now we're looking to infiltrate every single state of the United States with people that are leaders. We're going to give them opportunity so that um, on my 50th birthday, everybody can come with a million dollar check. And all those people and all the relationships, we're going to take a whiteboard like this and say, okay, we've got $36 million and we have a network that's built via relationship and trust that has about 200,000 people in it. What are we going to do to go make the biggest impact that we can with the finances and resources? And that's what we're doing. As far as the National Coaching League goes, I'm creating a phantom stock company. And what I mean by that is uh, people don't know this. I'm putting stock awards away for them. It's called phantom stock. So like Sam, this podcast, I might say, well, we're going to give Sam 50 shares of stock. Some point we're going to sell the National Coaching League because I like my life simple and I don't do corporate well. As soon as I built it to a point where it needs to be big, I'm going to step out. The big people are going to come in and fuck it up and then I'll come back in at some point. 
Um, and you've seen a lot of leaders do this. When I sell the company, people like you, Sam, it is my goal that you're going to get some sort of reward. I'm not obligated to do it. However, if you look at my track record, I like to help people that help me get there. Now, there's no entitlement. So, Sam, if you end up being a motherfucker, how much do you think you'll get? But that's the bigger picture going around in my mind. Yeah, right now I have a kids at 12, 10, and 6. So I'm choosing simplicity over big. Yet we're building up enough um, demand where when it's time to go big, we'll go big. Very cool. I, I love I love how you have drawn out everything, at least in your mind. And, and I know you're a really big planner. The, the P&L, having your uh, your schedule, when, you, when we first talked and you showed me your schedule, it kind of terrified me because I was like, <laughs> I don't think I can do that. And I'm, I don't want to be a slave to my schedule. What I realized is I was a slave to not having a schedule. Having a schedule has given me more freedom. Uh, and it's something I still obviously work on, but uh, those you are the things. Your schedule and I can show you your results. And, and if it's important to you and it's not in your schedule, for example, my wife and I having sex is important. It wasn't on our schedule. So sometimes we'd go two, three, four weeks. That's not acceptable in my world. So what we did was we actually put it in our schedule to make sure that it happens because this is going to, you might judge me. I can be an asshole if that's not happening. Like, and, and so. You well, mean to say you're a guy? Oh man, there's a, there's or another great book. There's <laughs> another great book called um, No More Mr. Nice Guy. And every guy, every woman should, should listen to it. And I share this with you because oftentimes sensitive topics like sex or alcohol or relationships aren't talked about because it's uncomfortable. And that, let me do this for you. I'm just as fucked up as you are. So you look in the mirror, chances are I'm, I'm struggling with a lot of the same stuff. And what if we could just create conversations without judgment and say, hey, you know what? I get it. You know, we went, when Charlie was in the hospital, and I felt like an asshole for this. He's in the hospital intensive care and I still want to have sex. Like what the fuck's wrong with me? And I judge myself. No, the reality is I still had needs, even though circumstances were one where you shouldn't yet. I still didn't. I used to beat myself up over it. And it, it talks about in the, um, in, in the shadow effect, pushing a beach ball down. If you push a beach ball down under the water, it's going to pop up. So what if you just embraced things like, Hey, you know what? I don't like the fact that my kid's in the hospital and that I still want my wife to have sex with me, like just acknowledging that, hey, it might be messed up, yet it's the truth. <laughs> if anybody still watched this podcast at this point, they heard us talking about it, I'm sure it's okay. But oh, actually, I was just going to go there because I, we're, we're getting to the point where we're about to wrap up. Um, and I was going to ask people to please subscribe to Sam's on Fire, uh, the podcast. Follow me. You can follow me on Facebook at Sam's on Fire. You can find me just about anywhere at Sam's on Fire. You can even go to samsonfire.com. And I love talking about business. That's the, the mindset around this. And it's, it's refreshing when we're able to say, this is how it affects everything. So we're listening to Hank talk about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And uh, it's pretty funny. Like we, get, we got some Pearl Jam in there. So we, we covered all the bases. Right. Do me a favor. If you're not happy, go fix it. Like, and, and if you're, I was happy when I was bankrupt. I'm happy now that we're making a shit ton of money. I've just chosen to be happy. And, and if you're waiting for something to happen for all of a sudden, it's going to be like, oh, guess what? Adulting sucks at times. And, and it sucks more oftentimes than not. So work on your mindset. Sam, any guess as to what video I was listening to in the shower this morning? 
my profit first video? No, oh. unbroken. The unbroken. I, I, I was. I knew it. I already knew it was unbroken. I just had to um, throw my shot out for myself for profit first. But uh, yeah, it, and it's a mindset thing for you, right? It's all a mindset because I know if my mindset's on tight, I'm gonna win. And and I don't have an income problem. I don't have a cash flow problem because we've done the math around it. Now I just worry about my relationships, my energy, and the finances will follow. Very cool. Well, Hank, as we cut out of here, give me um, where can people find you if they want to follow you, learn a little bit more about you? Um, so follow me on Facebook. If you get a chance to interact, like something, comment on something, and and look to court me, meaning just don't send me a blind friend request and, and try to make out with me, so to speak. Like get into relationship through Sam, get Sam to do an introduction if it makes sense. Yet, yet work on that relationship first by following, liking, commenting, engaging, and then we might end up on a phone call, yet it takes time. I don't rush any relationships because I like people too much. So you will not get close to me until we've been hanging out for at least a year because motherfuckers will usually show themselves in the first 12 months. I love it. But you can follow, you can follow Hank on Facebook and uh, get a little bit more of his uh, Hankisms because he's got some great ones. All right, Hank, I appreciate you, man. All right, see you, brother. Thanks for listening to Sam's on Fire. And don't forget to check out samsonfire.com. And if you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a fellow entrepreneur so you get notification of all new episodes.